welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, what's up? Another Knock On Podcast. Uh, I think it's 213. 13 is my lucky number, or it is my favorite number. I don't know if it's lucky, but it's my favorite. Uh, man, plugging along. This has been pretty awesome winter, pretty awesome last few weeks. And I don't know, I'm feeling good right now. I'm getting back into training mode, and momentum's good. That's the thing. If you're out there and you're struggling with motivation, or struggling getting into the flow of archery and shooting. A lot of people might be a little bit burned out from hunting season. I was actually on the verge of being burned out from hunting. I, I would say I was burned out, if I'm totally honest. I pu- I pushed it too hard. I pushed it too hard. I was depleted. And honestly, for me, I know when I'm pushing myself too far because it seems inevitable that all of a sudden I catch some kind of a bug. I'm healthy. I'm healthy as long as I'm looking out for myself. But as soon as I push it too hard and start, you know, eating, eating outside of my norm and then having a little bit less sleep and then just, I don't know, losing momentum just from what my body's doing, uh, I just end up getting sick, and as soon as I do that, I know, man, you gotta, you gotta back down. Need to get your shit together and get back to being focused on, you know, taking care of yourself more so than, well, more so than just getting content. Because this past hunting season, obviously with me. Um, changing over what a lot of people don't realize is you know when I when I was with um, Under Armour for so long you know a lot of my galleries a lot of the images that I use for articles and all that stuff was in um, a different product so you know if I have an article coming out you know for for a magazine on whitetail hunting early season or late season whitetail or you know rut elk hunts or whatever it is you know the between all the different species i get assignments for all those so i can't i I really couldn't afford to go out and have a a poor showing in the field um so i kind of took advantage of every single opportunity I had for being out because I was banking on the fact that my success wouldn't be a hundred percent. And so because of that, I just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And I felt like, you know, someone that's out on tour that is just in a new place every single day. And you're just going so hard that eventually it catches up and you got to just, you got to just crawl into a hole and, and lick your wounds and, and recalibrate. So that's what I did. And I'm feeling good right now. Uh, we're 
getting ready to do, I think, the seventh week of the School of Knock. And this is normally a turning point for me, which is good because I haven't decided how long I want to push this. I was originally planning on doing 12 weeks uh, just because normally that's about when I start heading outside and, and a lot of my outdoor shooting is pretty variable. I really am um, very specific and direct on initiatives during indoor season uh, because it's it's great for me to just go to the range and say this is what I'm working on and I just you know put my nose down and, and grind it out. And this seventh week we're going to be moving into <clears throat> the the last part of the equation for my shot sequence, the shot sequence that I teach to everybody. This week we're going to be moving into the execution and the finish of the shot. And a lot of people have a, have a bit of a tough time with the commitment to the execution of the shot. This is, this is that very, very small window where you're now engaging the trigger, your pin is in a comfortable position and you're starting to commit to pulling through that shot and, and having that release, uh, activate, you know, or more or less let go of the string. And this is an, an important time and one that I want to really make sure people out there realize that this is a great week to bring things close and not worry about aiming small. Um, the further people push out their targets, the more they're going to start to realize that this shot, their shot timing will slow down. It's inevitable that the further back you go, you can almost like add a second on people's hold time. You know, if I have people that are shooting at 20 yards, they've got good cadence, good rhythm, etc. And then all of a sudden we go to, boom, we go to 30 meters or we go to 40. Instead of, you know, them putting their thumb on that trigger or letting off that safety and shots are going off in four or five seconds from that point, all of a sudden now they become five or six seconds. And then we move back to 60, 70 yards, and now they're seven, eight seconds. And then you move to 100 yards, and you start watching people aiming at 100 yards, and it's 10, 12 seconds once their finger's on the trigger. The key to commitment of the execution is to keep that cadence and that rhythm the same and just get to the point where it's a continual flow regardless of how small the, the, the object is in that site or um, even the movement. Obviously, sometimes if you're getting blown around, you, you know, you, there's times where you do have to back off if you're completely off the target. But there's a very fine line there that I want people to start to understand is okay, when I accept this and I just go, like just commit and go, like don't think about it, don't try to aim, don't try to hold, um, these are all things that I talk about. I actually have a, a slide in my presentation that's a picture of me at full draw during a gold medal match 
And it was a picture that was taken during the second end of a gold medal match. And I remember I was competing against a guy that was very good. And I remember executing my first three shots, which would have been the first end. You shoot 12 arrows in a, in a final. I shot my first end, three arrows, and you're alternating. He shoots, I shoot, he shoots, I shoot, he shoots, I shoot. Um, <coughs> and as it stood after that first end, we were both tied at 29. So, uh, you know, and this was at 70 meters, so 77 yards. We, uh, you know, I think it was like 10, 9, 10, 10, 10, 9, whatever, we're tied. And I remember thinking to myself, I didn't think about it. I didn't realize I had thought this at the start of the second end. But I'll soon tell you when I did when it did click. So I remember thinking to myself, this guy isn't, this guy isn't going to give me this match. You know, he's not, he's not going to miss much. You have to, you know, I remember telling myself, you have to shoot tens. You have to be in the gold. And so it's actually not what I said, but I want to continue on with the story. And then I'll, I'll tell you these trigger words, which are important. Um, so the next end, I was focused on just holding solid and as best as I can remember, my pin was very much in the middle of the target when the shots were break, when when they broke, but I know I was aiming. I can tell from the picture because my front shoulder is compressed high. My front shoulder has a slight rise in it and what I've done is I compress that shoulder up and slightly back and my front arm was a little bit hyperextended too where I had locked it out so that I could obviously just be more still. So I made my shots and even though I felt like my pin was just right in the 10 ring, it was nine to the right, nine to the left, nine to the right. And once again, he went on and shot a 29 so right now I'm down by two already um, halfway through which this is this is not not good um, and there was actually a parent over to my side and I, I saw that he had a camera and I looked over and I said hey man did you are you taking pictures and he said yeah and I said can I see your camera quick and he goes yeah so I grabbed it. I go, do you have any pictures of me? And he go, I said, do you have any good pictures of me shooting? And he goes, yeah. And he kind of gave me this look like, um, this guy must be really into himself. He's wanting to check himself out, you know, here in this metal match. But the reality was I knew that when my execution happened, my pin was solid my pin was in the scoring ring, but the arrows weren't there. So that was an indicator to me that I have a, a fundamental breakdown somewhere outside of what the front pin did. So I grabbed this picture and it's the picture that I have and that I use in, in my presentations during class. It's a picture, this picture of me with my front shoulder has you can see my front delts tight. It's 
you know, it's a difference between your shoulder being down a little bit and then you barely raising it up, like kind of turning it towards your chin. If you extend your arm out, take your shoulder and, you know, if you just raise your hand up to your left, if you're a right-handed shooter, you know, you can have your shoulder down, but then you can kind of just without, with everything being that same position, without really moving much, just pushing that shoulder socket up towards your chin. That's all it took. And so when I looked at this picture, I'm like, son of a bitch, you told, that's like, you told yourself, like I created my own destiny. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy because what I actually told myself was this guy's not going to miss. You need to hold gold. That's what I told myself. Um, and that trigger word hold immediately the rest of my body's like, okay, he wants to be solid everything just I went from shooting big to shooting small that shoulder came up it locked in the elbow hyperextended out and now all I'm doing is holding and when that happens and for any of you silverback users out there you're going to recognize the times where you would swear that you were pulling the bow in half and the release wasn't firing but I've had times many 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 times where someone is saying, I'm pulling so hard, nothing's happening. And I'm looking at their arrow just going forward on the arrow rest as they're actually creeping forward in their draw length. And they would put everything they have down on the table saying, I am pulling this bow in half. But what's happening is that shoulder's just collapsing, collapsing, collapsing. And even though you've ran out of pulling room in the back, the front is just giving in and you're creeping. So on a compound bow, when you're dynamic and you're pulling hard on that wall and you're executing and blasting through that shot, it really likes that. And the arrows, they, they just suck into the center when that's happening and they compensate for a lot of movement within the front pin. However, there's also bows, especially ones that are set up to be a little bit more what I refer to as demanding. So my target bow is what I would refer to as demanding. It doesn't have really high let off. It doesn't have a very long um, valley. In other words, when the cams, when you're pulling and the cams get really hard and then they break over and they feel really easy and it then it comes to the stop, there's some bows where when that bow starts to get really easy and it stops, you have what's called a valley, and that's this spacing in between when it gets really easy and when it stops. Sometimes it just gets easy and then it stops. And it, so if you're there and you're pulling on the string, if you let up a little bit, it feels like that bow is going to take take the string away from you, which is why a lot of dry fires happen you know, people that aren't used to a short valley, they'll pull a bow back and be like, oh, that feels pretty good. Wham! They dry fire it because they're not used to it wanting to go right away. They're used to being able to be what I call lazy on the back end of their of their draw cycle. So my bow was one of these bows where it was somewhat demanding, but it wasn't, it wasn't, so demanding that when I creeped forward, I could feel it take it away from me. So I could kind of, I could be lazy 
but not know it. Um, whereas some, you can be lazy and you can know it and you realize, okay, I'm, I can get away with this. Um, and there's pros and cons to those two things. I can get to that another day. But anyway, I was just holding. So front shoulders collapsed, front, front arms hyperextended. I'm putting my finger on the trigger and I'm maintaining pressure, but I'm not building pressure. So I'm just holding and aiming and I'm just l trying to be as still on that X-ring as possible. And I might be slowly making a fist with my release hand so that I get a surprise shot. I can certainly tell you that all three of my arrows were surprise shots, but the difference is they weren't dynamic. They were what I refer to as static. Um, front shoulders collapse, front arm is hyperextended. I'm not pulling through the release. I'm building on the release and my shot breaks. And even though the group was good, you know, you look at a 10 ring on a FIDA face, that circle's not much different than a coffee can um, or, you know, a softball. I was millimeters out to the right, millimeters out to the left, millimeters out to the right. I mean, left to right impact on those three arrows were probably only seven inches, uh, but it was a 27. Now I'm down two. So I look at this picture and right away I'm like, Oh, dumbass you told yourself like you good you know in a way I said dumbass but then I said you know good job you followed orders good job you followed orders um you know I'm trying to I'm trying to take a negative situation and this is a very good mental rehearsal strategy if you're listening um I always try to give a podcast where people can take away goods and bads um, so obviously this was a negative situation. I'm down two points. Um, so I could have said, oh shit, you know, dumbass, terrible. Well, you know, what the hell? That was big mistake. So what I did was I'm like, okay, good job following orders. Good job. And so now I roll into self-talk and I'm like, okay, good job. Did exactly what you said. We're right where we need to be. New order pull through, forget the front end, all back end. I want six shots, fully dynamic, no hesitation. So that's what I did. I went into the last two ends just saying, you know what? If this thing ain't in the 10 ring, piss on it. It's, um, I'm down by two now anyway. Uh, just, I want to finish with six strong shots. So I just let the front pin move around we were shooting in the wind and i do remember that let the front pin move around but just came through my shots good and dynamic and when the match was over um i had won by one point had i not caught it that end would have never happened had i not caught it at all could have been disastrous because i probably would have built more you know hold gold type mentality on myself the further I got in the hole I would have been like oh man now you really need a 30 now you even really need a 30 more and and a total fluke of luck so in the end um I I did what I needed to do on nine of the shots and it was lucky enough to to win but 
I also did what I think is critical for all athletes to do. And that's, you know, to do everything that you can and realize that sometimes, especially when you're shooting against people that are elite level guys, that sometimes you have to give them the opportunity to make those same mistakes. Don't just don't make them yourself. You know, I was able to recognize what I did wrong and pull myself back on back in the center lane before I had, you know, literally hit the curb and, and freaking steamrolled through the ditch. Um, if you do that, you know, there's times where you might get a little sketchy and you might hit some lines left and right. But, you know, sometimes you just have to do everything that you have that's in your power to execute a shot and leave it up to your competitor to have those breakdowns. And that's what I did. I can't say that I'm a better shooter than that person. All I can say is that I was smarter at recognizing when I jacked up and I was able to get myself on track and then allow him to unravel at the end because obviously he thought that he had a you know, if if I were to be able to get into his head, I would venture to say that he thought this match is over. You know, you got this going. Then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's only a one-point match after that next end. Uh, you know, I think he had a wild arrow. And then, uh, then all of a sudden going to that last end, you know, he's probably thinking, I only have a one-point lead. You got to hold, you know, just hold gold and you – you know, you still win by one. And then obviously, you know, looking back, if he's not as dynamic through his shots, starts to aim, starts to make the shot happen or command the shot to happen, which I always love it when someone tells me that because it's like, all right, well, I don't mind shooting against someone that commands the shot to happen as long as I can shoot against him more than once. If he's going to quote unquote command, command, uh, his release to fire when he wants it to essentially punch it and not admit that he's punching it, then I'm totally down with that. Just all I ask is that you give me the law of average. Like if someone said, we're going to do, I'm going to shoot against you your way and I'm going to shoot my way punching it, but we're only going to do it one time and never again. I'd been like, well, I'm going to do it. But deep down I'd know this is a 50 50 that this guy can just set the world on fire for a minute and then all of a sudden you know when he totally derails and the wheels come off I'm not going to be here to enjoy it um but with law of average doing it what I say is my way and what I'm teaching all of you overall you continue to put yourself in front of that same guy multiple times multiple times he'll have his day but the majority is going to fall on you because this way of execution is more consistent that's just all there is to it and as an archer what i've always strived for is consistency i don't i don't mind if i suck at something and i just want to suck at it all the time so i know where i'm at and i know when i'm getting better and you know obviously i like it when i'm good at something but i want to be good at it all the time i don't want to be good and then suck at it because then I'm like wait a minute that was a fluke um, for example I was okay to accept 
this example I'm going to give you um, simply because of the conditions. But um, for example, last month I did a hunt with two of my buddies, one of which you guys know, Andy Stump, and Andy had just got a brand new long range rifle and um, I would say what it was, but I'd get it wrong. So he kind of sights this thing in and gets it shooting out to like, I don't know, we were over 700 yards. I know that. And he's like, you know, he shot, hit this silhouette, you know, not like a big gong. It was a true silhouette, but it was, it was, it was wind high enough that it pulled my glasses off my hat and also pulled my hat off my head and like, you know, sent them across the, the, the range. Um, so Andy's like, here's kind of where I'm holding. I'm holding right here, uh, which was kind of like left edge of the silhouette, and he was still getting it. So he walks me through some really, really short, basic fundamentals of long-range sniper shooting. So I get down and do everything he says exactly, and shot breaks and all of a sudden dong and he's just like yep of course you know first shot you freaking hit the thing and then i'm like yeah that was cool so now naturally i want to shoot a group uh foolish so i step up shoot um i don't know if the second time i might have hit it but i know that then all of a sudden i missed it and i'm like where did it hit and he's like we can't tell dudes so far away and the wind's freaking howling like we can't see anything you know the wind's blowing too hard you can't see anything behind the target so it's like irking at me so then you know i shoot again hit it and he's like okay that one was good so then i i feel like i could not possibly have a better hold and a better pull through on the trigger than what i have but certain times it wasn't ringing. And so that was driving me nuts because um, I almost would have rather not hit it at all or hit it every time than hit it, miss it, hit it, miss it, hit it, miss it. Because it's like, wait a minute, okay, you know, <laughs> now I don't really know uh, if I'm doing this good or if I'm doing it bad or, you know, so now I'm striving to, to have that day where we can shoot where the conditions are ideal so that I'll actually be able to have a baseline for myself of, okay, well, yeah, you're, you're not doing something right plain as day, or you just, there was such a variation in the wind. You were only missing the plate by, you know, one inch off the side or whatever. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to mental aspects and the whole mental side of this week's assignment which is going to be to acquire the trigger execute and finish so the mentality behind that is once I've let off the safety um, and remember we've gone through the other steps of the shot routine um, which you can find on the knock on archer youtube channel um, in the last week, we worked on peep acquisition, which it's really cool that I see a lot of you out there who actually posted the homework that I told you to do of purposely framing where your peep is a little bit misaligned to the left, a little bit misaligned to the right, a little bit 
misaligned where you have more of a gap above and a little bit misaligned where you have a gap below the front sight. And seeing people plot how those groups have moved high, low, left, right. That's awesome. So now you realize when you have these wild arrows that you feel like, wait, what happened? I feel like I had a perfect shot. My front shoulder was great. I had good execution, good finish, but it's still there. Well, then now you can kind of look back and be like, what was my what was my peep picture like? And then if you can't recall that or if you say, damn, you know what? I freaking I remember seeing daylight underneath my bubble. Okay, that's why I'm here. Um, that's all the stuff. These are the main things that get you back online as a shooter and as an archer or as a marksman or as a competitor. These are the things that help you become a champion because you can expect to not make mistakes. But what you have to learn is when you make a mistake, how fast can you get your tires back in the center lane? Um, you know, hitting that edge is one thing, but, you know, hitting the edge, hitting the going off the shoulder, being in the gravel, being in the ditch, like, and then all of a sudden realizing, oh man, I'm in the ditch. Okay. Well, now you've dug a hole, you know, there's a difference between taking a dent and digging a hole, you know, taking a dent a lot of times as a competitor you can deal with, but digging a hole is tough real tough to get out of, especially when you're at a level where the other guys that you're competing against don't really take many dents. Ooh, I had to wet my whistle. Um, so if you do your peep acquisition correctly and you've centered your front scope, you're checking, you know, you're checking your scope housing alignment you're making sure your your bow is level you're getting your pin in the in the center of the target you're staring at what you want to hit and you're letting your subconscious see the pin while you're looking at what you're aiming at and you bring your thumb to that trigger or you let your thumb off the safety or off the post depending on which uh, of the three style releases you're shooting and then you're like, okay, go. So in this situation, this is where I like to personally, I have always thought of it like that scene in Top Gun where uh, Tom Cruise has got uh, Jester in his sights. And you can see that plane moving around and you've got the, the you know, you've got that missile lock on and it's and then that shot's breaking. So that's what I think. Once my target's moving and I've let off that safety, I'm thinking the same thing. Just, you know, pull through that shot, let that float happen, that let that plane move around. He's going to be in the middle when this thing goes off. And then just as soon as that shot breaks with the surprise, then the next and the last part of this shot sequence is to finish the shot. And by finish the shot, that's, I mean, you need to make sure that the release hand is coming over the top of the rear shoulder 
as that shot breaks, it's really easy for your release hand to go down and away, to go down, to go out. All those will predetermine the path of that arrow and cause massive left and right margins of error. So when I feel that shot break, the last that I'm th the last thing that I'm thinking about is finish. And when I finish, I like to do what I call the gun show. So as soon as that shot breaks, I try to squeeze that bicep so that I'm pulling my release hand over the top of my shoulder and I'm able to have the release come straight back instead of out um, when you're looking at me from a rear view. Anytime where my release starts to go out in a way, immediately I start to either hit like low left, I start to go left. These are all things for me that give that arrow a, a predetermined path. So pull, you're executing, you're executing that target, you know, letting that pin float, you're waiting for the missile lock. As it's breaking, you're assuming that's there. And just just like in that movie, the reason I like that analogy is because what you'll notice is even though those crosshairs aren't always on that target, the target is always coming back to the crosshairs or the crosshairs are always coming back to the target. So, you know, he recognizes he's going off. So he's making minor adjustments that take a little bit of time for it to be back. Um, this is something that I've actually made a relation to in the skydiving world because I'm recognizing as I'm working on free fall and as I'm working with Andy um, in the wind tunnel, I'm recognizing that small adjustments don't happen instantly all the time. It's a lot like driving a boat. If you've ever driven a boat on the water, you'll recognize that, you know, you'll turn the wheel and then there's this little bit of a delay before the boat goes. So if you turn it a little bit and it's not happening right away and then you also need to turn it way more, well, now you're overcorrecting and you're going to have to overcorrect to get back. So think of it like that, you know, your subconscious recognizes when that pin is coming off the target and it's already making a pre pre-moved motion to get it to come back. So don't feel like because you're going off, you got to stop and wait for it to start your shot again. And then once it comes back to the middle of the target, you start pulling again, then you, and then it goes off and you stop. You don't want to do that. Your rear half of your body doesn't want to be starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, because what you'll find is what'll happen is as you stop and start again, that rear pull, a lot of times instead of the rear portion being the only thing pulling, as soon as you stop and then you start to pull again, that front shoulder will start to come up. It'll start to creep. Every time you stop, it'll stop. And then once you start to pull, it'll creep back, creep back, creep back. And all you're doing is giving and taking, giving and taking, giving and taking. And you never build the way that you need to build. So let the subconscious, which your subconscious will do this for you, when your pin moves off the target, it already knows what you want. And it's making subtle corrections to return it back to center. So you have to trust that 
the subconscious is doing that and stay committed to the shot because if you do it's already coming back into the center of those crosshairs and when that shot breaks that's where it's going to be the majority of the time you're going to find that as long as you trust that you're going to be good um, when you get to the point where you feel like you have to be locked in the whole time and then once you have this lock immediately make the trigger happen that is a very self-destructive path in archery and possibly in most target acquisition uh, sports so this week I want you to to acquire the trigger trust your float commit a hundred percent to that pulling through and I'll and on the the homework that I post on YouTube later today um, you'll see what I want you to focus on for that pulling motion for this week when you do that I'm going to want you to focus on larger targets closer distances if possible um, so I don't want you to think about the front pin. I'm wanting you to think about the rear half. Uh, just to move into a few other topics, uh, one of the topics I want to talk about was uh, post-ATA. Um, sorry, once again, I couldn't be there or chose not to be there. Um, I'm I'm actually really thankful that I didn't go. Um, I was able to get Harry moved back into college and Sharon and I liked hanging out with him and uh he decided he wanted he wanted to do like a chicken wing and movie or chicken wing and some cards uh for his last night at home so it's it was really good to be able to do that I would have kind of been kicking myself to to be gone so I needed that for myself and also, I was, like I said, I had caught a bug anyway. I would have just got a bunch of you guys sick. Uh, so I made the right decision. And my decision stands as well um, that I will not be going to the SHOT Show either. I'm just going to focus on maintaining mo mo my momentum and training and my momentum with the School of Knock. I don't want to give myself the ability to uh, to have a reason to slow that down. Um, one of the products that I did not have a review on that I think you guys should check out too is, um, Muzzy came out with a brand new broadhead. It's a, it's a solid head of, of one piece unit. I think it's very cool to check out. Um, and it's about 20% stronger than, than a Montec. So, uh, it's, a pretty cool thing if you're a muzzy person this is a pretty big step to have a, a single one-piece fully machined head and not have something with replaceable blades so that's going to be really cool for you to look at um, for those of you listening to this podcast uh, the knock on targets are supposed to be in Wednesday they'll go back on the website then silverbacks and knock to its are are at the anodizer now there's um, it's not a massive run, but I told them not to wait for all of them to be done. There's going to be a, a partial run that's going to be getting anodized this week. And then, you know, we'll work on getting them assembled and put back up. So make sure you sign up for the Notify Me um, and act fast when you do because there won't be a massive, uh, um, there won't be a massive 
drop on this next batch. Um, it, there will be some limitations to it, and according to the backlog list, it, you'll need to act quick. Um, and that'll be here within the next few weeks. So um, I appreciate the heck out of all that. Make sure all of you out there, uh, make sure you tag friends that you think can benefit from the School of Knox stuff. If you don't have Instagram, please get it. It's important that you do. Uh, you'll have to look up, you know, you click the little magnifying glass thing, you search and then type in knock on TV. That's me. And then you click follow. Make sure you go into the settings and make sure you have your notifications on to follow uh, t for you to be notified when I decide to jump on there live or when I make a post. And it makes a big difference when you guys double tap a post and like it. Uh, Unfortunately, people follow that, and I don't have business accounts. My accounts are still personal accounts, so I don't have analytics. I just have people that support us that just monitor our interaction, and so it's important. Um, I don't, I don't advertise. I don't solicit. I think it's important our community remains really healthy and organic, and um, I love the fact that. There's just people out there shooting all types of brands and we can all get along in one healthy place. Uh, that says a lot and it's it's awesome to be part of it. Appreciate the heck out of all of you. Uh, this is going to be a double podcast day. So uh, the next podcast that you're going to hear is going to be a podcast that I think you're really going to appreciate. Um it's a, a podcast that I did with um, a couple guys when I was at the, the Gore-Tex facility in the cold weather chamber. I know some of you out there, uh, you know, might get, might be a little bit upset that I'm talking Sika, but like I told you before, I'm into it and um, I like talking about it. I like being educated on products and when companies give me education on products then I pass it on um, if other companies that I work for you know brought me in and uh, showed me as much stuff as these guys have and you know and really gave me the knowledge on why certain things are happening I would pass that on just the same it's an opportunity that everybody that I believe in and work for and partner with have the ability, but they're doing a good job of taking advantage of it and utilizing me to the fullest. Um, but the next podcast after this one is going to be with uh, Dr. Carl Miller again, which is, you guys, he was awesome. Um, and then also James Black, who is an acoustical engineer. This guy is a sound and acoustics guru and he's an instructor at Montana State University. And then also um, I'm going to have Chris Derrick, who is um, the product design uh, guy for the Whitetail division at Sitka. We're going to literally sit down and talk about how these two guys and their science have actually determined the path of the new fanatic suit. So I think you're going to dig that. I really did. I really enjoyed it. I liked meeting both these guys and I think it's critical to all aspects of archery that we seek these professionals that specialize in these awesome, um, 
fields that relate to what we're doing to make our products better. So with that said, thanks everybody. Appreciate the heck out of you and make sure you spread the word. I trust you guys. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com